Melissa, welcome back. Nice to see you around. Thanks, Sandy. Lovely to be with you here again in Broome. Nice fun freedom. Oh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful, isn't it? I, I have had COVID, and when I hugged you when I came in, I I hesitated because I thought, well, maybe you'd be concerned. But you know, I've had COVID. It's uh, but it's I almost feel like we're getting back to living. You know, COVID has been good for some people, you know, in terms of businesses, um, but there's been a lot of heartache out there and I feel for the young people who haven't been able to get on with their lives, but now they can get on with living and, uh, gee, it feels good. Lockdown helped me gain skills, which was, I thought, great. What's it like having COVID? Well, it's not like any head cold you've ever had before. So I think for the first four days, I just sat on the couch with my phone in my hand and, you know, you're still working. But, you know, I didn't move from eight o'clock in the, you know, all of a sudden it'd be six o'clock and you think, wow, what happened to the day? So it's different. It's just a different sort of head cold. But I recovered pretty quickly. Um, I came out of isolation just before Easter. So I made sure I had lots of rest over Easter Still taking lots of vitamins. People tell me that that's you know part part of the recuperation. Lots of fluids, lots of water, lots of lots of English breakfast tea. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel I feel great now. So yeah, it was for, for me. If you if you had to have COVID during an during an election campaign, I had it just at the beginning. So it does give you enormous freedom when you're out and about because I, I haven't been shaking hands. I haven't been hugging people for two years and. I'm a bit of a hugger, <laughs> so that's uh, been great to you know just to be able to you know behave and react in the in what I would consider to be a normal way. So anyway, I've recovered, but no, that's not everybody's journey. My sister's had COVID, and and she's sort of now into the second week, and she's feeling very lethargic, and yeah, just not on top of the game. So hopefully, with a bit more rest, she'll be you know back on her feet soon enough. Did you feel any pressure being the sitting member of? the largest federal seat in the country and holding two portfolios, federal ministerial responsibilities. You mean when I had COVID? Yeah, absolutely, because you're, you're isolated, you're, you're sick. Um, you know, I'm very grateful that I've had three uh, COVID jabs, so you think that that's going to be enough, but, but you're still unwell and you still can't do your job and... Yeah, I, I did feel the pressure, but I was very hopeful that the fact that I'd had the three jabs, that I'd have the week of isolation and perhaps, you know, as I said, leading into Easter, a bit more rest, that I'd be back out there again. And, and you know, that's exactly what's happened. But, uh, you know, so I know that's not everybody's experience and some people really do get very sick. But the best way to protect yourself is to get your vaccinations. Melissa, you're the only ever sitting member of this particular seat, even the former seat of Kalgoorlie, that have held such importance with ministerial portfolios federally with the defence industry and then again you've got uh, innovation and science. Uh, Last elections, uh, you were also a part of the environment portfolio. That was pressure. Absolutely. And and you would have seen, I'm not seeing the same focus on the environment and climate this election, but very much so the, the previous election. And yeah, I, I enjoyed the opportunity to go out and sell our environment portfolio po- po- policies. I was very proud of what we took to the last election, a- a- as am I very proud of what we've done over the last term. But yeah, as a, as a cabinet minister, of course, you have 
responsibilities that you don't have as a backbencher. And, and that's always the challenge, especially when you are the member for the largest electorate in the land. And, you know, my electorate's been 1.6 million square kilometres in size um, since 2013. It's We've had a redistribution in Western Australia. We've lost a federal seat. So what that means is um, there's sort of redrawing of boundaries. So I've effectively got another 20,000 voters, Sandy, but I've lost about... 400,000 square kilometres to the seat of O'Connor. But it's always the balancing act. That's the balance to make sure that you represent and you understand the needs of the people of Durack. And, and I love being the member for Durack. That is my priority. But it is also a great honour and a privilege to be a minister in, in, in the federal government and to be able to sit around the cabinet table and to, you know, thump the table occasionally, Sandy, and say, well, that's not good enough for people who live in regional and remote, not just Western Australia, but Australia. So I see myself as, as a voice for regional Australia sitting around that cabinet table because what matters to people in Sydney doesn't always matter to the people who live in the Kimberley. Some people, or it was noticeable with the last election that you went missing in action. Was it the pressure? Well, I mean, that, that may be some people's perspective. perspective. Um, I certainly wasn't missing in action. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, this was a bit of a joke around Durack. People were saying, that is just ridiculous. We know where you are. We're seeing you every day. So I, I think that was just a bit of a media beat up or, or people, my opponents, who thought that that would somehow do me harm. But people in Durack knew exactly where I was. And for me, that was that was my priority. Well, priorities federally are looking at big portfolios that you are. Defence industry, lots of uh, interesting moves uh, going on around the parts of the world. Solomon Islands in particular, does this have any bearing on defence industry? Not necessarily, but but clearly this is this is an issue that's very important for the federal government and the Pacific Islands, the Pacific nations are, are a part of our family and we take that very seriously. In my portfolio, we have um, a program where we're providing um, what we call the, the Guardian Class Pacific Patrol Boats, and we're gifting these Guardian Class Patrol Boats to our Pacific uh, nations, uh, our Pacific friends uh, like the Solomon Islands. So from my perspective, that's that's what's relevant to me. But more broadly speaking, uh, you know, We've worked very closely with the Solomon Islands. Of course, we're, we're disappointed that they might be doing some security or economic uh, deal with the, with the Chinese. Of course, we're disappointed because we believe that together with the Pacific family and Australia that we are best placed um, to provide that level of security that's required um, for you know what is effectively in our backyard. Speaking of uh, or staying on offshore matters, what about illegal fishing boats that just off uh, the Kimberley and Northern Australia. There's yeah. been well, some pretty interesting interactions of late. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and you would have seen more recently um, Karen Andrews, who's the Minister for Home Affairs and uh, excellent female colleague of mine. Um, she's recently just announced another a, a policy regarding the, uh, offshore security and, and that would take into account uh, illegal fishing as well. We're speaking to Melissa Price, our current sitting federal member for Durack, who's uh, joined us in the studios uh, today with uh, just one week and a day before we go to the 
polls. So you can do that with early polling if you like. Just pop on down to the Boom Convention Centre and from tomorrow onwards up there in Kananara, they'll be having the sports club open all week from tomorrow starting all week next week. Also uh, taking early polling there. Coming back on land and just talking about what we've been through with COVID as a conversation a little earlier on, uh, finding uh, labour has been uh, very scarce. I suppose that's very much a problem uh, around the country, around the world. It's an international theme. Uh, there's been an interesting uh, program created uh, with the uh, Federal Agriculture Minister, Anthony Hawke, in the reference to uh, Adama for the East, Kimberley, and possibly maybe looking at one year in the West. Yeah, that's right. Um, what we've been able to achieve for the East, Kimberley, and I just want to give a shout out to the Chamber of Commerce in the East, Kimberley, who have driven what we call Adama. Adama is uh, a special immigration arrangement for an area. So it's all about a designated area. And we've got a number of these around Australia. Kalgoorlie has one, for for example. We've also recently got one for the Pilbara. And what it means is that there is a special set of arrangements when it comes to bringing people into a region to f- to fill those jobs that nobody else wants to do. So, for example, uh, as you can imagine, hospitality, but also childcare workers. You know, we're crying out for childcare workers um, throughout the whole of regional Western Australia. And so this will mean that an employer can work with, um, in this case, it's the East Kimberley Chamber of Commerce, and they will help with the with the application process to bring in people to, to be able to do that, that work. Now, that only covers at the moment the East Kimberley. Uh, what I've said to, the, I met with the Chamber of Commerce in Broome yesterday at the the Meet the Candidates uh, event, which was very well done, um, that my expectation is that at the very first opportunity there'll be like annual reviews as to you know how the program is rolling out and what are the occupations that they need to target. And my expectation is that the West Kimberley will get in, in the first review, which could be less than 12 months, that the West Kimberley gets included in that Dharma arrangement, which is going to help, yes, um, a, a, our agricultural um, producers here in the West Kimberley, but also hospitality, other service sector and, as I said, childcare as well. Have you had an opportunity to glance uh, the, the results of WA's state budget and what came of that yesterday? I've had a brief look at it. Um, I've got a, got a lot of information federally that, I, that, I, <laughs> that I'm very focused on. You, you won't be surprised to hear that. Um, and really, I, I guess it's what we've, we've seen being reported in the media over the last couple of weeks one I believe there's a $400 uh, rebate when it comes to electricity um, that's that's obviously great um, that could be energy more broadly I think um, but then I read today where a lot of the other um, utilities are going up as well so I guess people are a little disappointed in that but um, you know the there's also uh, talk of the $500 million for the Tanami Road. Uh, can I just remind everybody, five, that $500 million, that's great, but 400 of that's actually federal government funding. So, gee, I'd really just like to get the credit occasionally, Sandy, <laughs> for us all working so hard together with the whole of the Kimberley Zone, um, in particular the Shire of Halls Creek, that we've now got $400 million locked in um, to, to, 
to finish the Tanami Road up to the up to the Northern Territory border. Um, so it's a little disingenuous of the state government. I, I would just I would just like them to be you know a, bit, a little bit more upfront about where the money's coming from. Um, that's about it. They're the highlights for me. I, I'm I'm unsure of of whether there's anything major for regional WA. Gee, we've 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 really got an incredible surplus, um, helped obviously by the GST deal that West Australian colleagues, together with our Prime Minister Scott Morrison, put together. So we are in such a a very good financial position in Western Australia, and I would like our state government to start spending money in the regions. Federal government's doing a lot of the heavy lifting in the region and people are constantly saying to me, why is the federal government, you know, investing in, oh, I don't know, the Broome Basketball Club, for example, which, you know, we're very happy to do, Broome Speedway. There are a couple of grants that have we've provided um, more recently. But I, I really think it's time for there to be a significant investment across regional WA and uh, we've got a very um, wealthy state government. And, uh, you know, I'm disappointed that... Anyway, maybe I haven't seen enough detail, Sandy, so perhaps I shouldn't be too critical just yet. (laughs) How about federally would we look at... Now, they reckon the the cost of living will go down, but we've seen interest rate rises. Insurance is a big killer up here. Mm, That's right. So I think people understand that in terms of the inflation rate that you know that we're subjected to. Well, we've just had a global pandemic to start with, but we are subjected to other international events like the war in Ukraine. And you know, I'm really proud that what we did in the last federal budget was to you know reduce the excise on fuel. And you know, people in the Kimberley they drive many many kilometres, um, so I'm sure that's not lost on them that the cost of fuel was going up. So. I'm hoping that people are now seeing the cost of fuel come down, but also for those people who um, are receiving some form of welfare payment from the federal government. You know, they received just recently another two hundred and fifty dollars, which you know is intended to help with, with the cost of living. Um, interest rate rises. Well, if you have a look at uh, all the economic uh, reports and economic economic data. Um, People are saying the reason why we've had an interest rate rise is because our economy is doing so well. Um, thankfully, it's only it's only a very small increase, and uh, you know, I sincerely hope that that's not going to have too much of an impact on on people's everyday lives. Where to now for you, Melissa, from Broome today? Yeah, from Broome from Broome today. I'll be down at Prepol for a few hours today. If anyone wants to come down and say good day, we've had I've had lots of chats. Haven't quite lost my voice yet, but it's been wonderful to spend the last few days in Broome and spending a lot of time on Prepol. Um, from here, I'll head. Uh, south, uh, we'll be in Geraldton by Saturday morning, and I expect I'll spend a bit of time in the Midwest, but even a bit further south in in the Wheat Belt area. You know, Durack's a big place, Sandy. Can't stand still for too long. But yeah, I love the campaign. Um, I always think that once an election finishes, you, you start the next campaign. Um, but when, when you've got this very intense period of five or six weeks or even you'd say a couple of months um, prior to the election, it is a wonderful opportunity because people switch on, Sandy, and they want to talk to you about what's happening in their lives. Often, and especially during COVID, look, people have been fed up with politics. They've been fed up with politicians. That, that, you know, they, they're tired of us being in their face, you know, especially during COVID. Look, this has been a very unique time for all of us. Last couple of years, get vaccinated, uh, wear a mask, uh, don't go to work, uh, you know, and the implications that, that COVID ha- has brought, brought upon all of us. So it has been wonderful for people to now have switched on to the fact that we've got a federal election and they want to talk to you about what's happening in their lives. 
by and large, um, you know, people have got a pretty positive story to tell. You know, they've been very happy with, with what we've been able to do, especially for those who receive JobKeeper during that very critical time when we thought a lot of job, well, we lot of thought a lot of businesses were going to go under, Sandy, and they didn't. And largely that was due to our financial support of those employees. So I'm really proud of that. And just lastly, with all of that, and just to wrap it all up, and with just the end game, what if the government doesn't get in, but you keep your seat? What will happen then with Melissa? Well, my expectation is that Scott Morrison will still be our Prime Minister on the 22nd of May. Um, I, I think uh, he has been an extraordinary leader. I mean, I sit around the Cabinet table. I've seen um, that man be... If people who work in the corporate world understand the role of the chairman, and, and he is an outstanding chairman. Yes, we've made a few mistakes along the way when it came to COVID, but nobody had had a rule book. Nobody knew how we needed to manage and how we needed to manage COVID. But I think he's been an outstanding leader, and I think he deserves to continue to be in that role. However, should 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 it, it turn out that that that's not the case, and you know, in, in politics, it's it's brutal, Sandy. You never know how the, the dice is going to be rolled. But should I um, still be uh, the the federal member for Durack, and as I've said to you many times, this is such a, a great honour and a privilege to have that role. Then I will be, uh, you know, sitting on the opposition benches. But yeah, w- what other role I might have will, you know, that that won't be uh, my decision. That'll be the decision of whoever is the leader of our our party, who I expect will be Scott Morrison. Um, that's my expectation, and uh, whatever other role he would like me to fulfil, I, I would do that happily. But that's not my expectation. <laughs> Melissa Price, thank you for joining us. Good on you, Sandy. Thanks so much.